All right, how's it going, everybody tonight? We are the screening room. No, <laughs> man, my, my brain kicked over. Boo. Where's my fruit cart? I need a tomato. Let's get him. All right, okay, I'm, I'm doing it again. All right, all right. All right, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox. <laughs> wow! If you can't tell, that's Dan doing his emperor laugh. <laughs> no, that's terrible emperor laugh. It's me, Dan. <laughs> you may not have realized this, but we watched a movie from a galaxy far, far away. Definitely not related to other movies we've been watching from galaxies far, far away. Nah, this is a different galaxy. Nor did we watch it for a show completely unrelated to this one we're currently doing. <laughs> this galaxy was so far away that it was produced by a mouse. Wait a second. <laughs> he lives in a castle in Florida. <laughs> is that where he lives? <laughs> it was produced by Disney. Well, maybe not produced. I don't know. Disney made it. <laughs> we watched Rogue One. Wow, what a <laughs> great intro this week. <laughs> I'm so confused. So Rogue One, a Star Wars story, was released in 2016. Um, it was directed by Gareth Edwards, who has brought you uh, movies such as Monsters, Godzilla, and he was a Resistance Trench soldier in The Last Jedi. So Rogue One on IMDb currently has a 7.8 out of 10 um, user score, a 65 meta score. Um, if we go over to Rotten Tomatoes, it has 84% tomato meter and an 86% audience score. Nice. That's pretty uh, big difference between the meta score all the way up to the uh, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. 65 to 86. Woo! 20 points. There's a lot of a lot of goodwill behind this one, apparently. Yeah, it's not as crazy as The Last Jedi when we get there, but these are all pretty decent scores, though. Rogue One comes right before Episode 4, A New Hope. It leads right into it directly. And it follows um, this character, Jen Erso, who's the daughter of an Imperial scientist, and she ends up joining the Rebel Alliance to steal plans for the Death Star and get them to the, the Rebel Alliance. What'd you guys think of Rogue One? You know, it's been when did the? You know, it's been about a year. What year? Two years? Two years? Three? Maybe getting close to three now. It'd be three in December. I think it was a very different time for both me and the franchise when I initially saw it. I, I was pretty fresh coming out of um, Episode uh, Seven. There, we were pretty salty. I think I was in a mood to pretty much hate anything that. Uh, Disney produced in the Star Wars franchise. So I'll say for me, watching it this second time, I regret that. And this was a very different experience with some time to mellow and cool down. You didn't like it the first time? I was trying pretty hard to dislike it the first time. I put a lot of effort into being really mean to it. And I'm so sorry if we reviewed it uh, for a completely unrelated <laughs> show that shall not be named. <laughs> I think it may have been named earlier. <laughs> See, I had the complete opposite reaction when I saw this one. I saw Seven was super let down and sad and disappointed by it. And was like, oh, they're, 
they've done it. They've screwed it up. And then this one comes out a year later, and I was like, oh, maybe this isn't a bad thing that Disney has it, actually. Because I really like Rogue One. It's my favorite after the original trilogy oh even before the the prequels yep i like it better than all three prequels i would say it's tied for three with me you know i would say it's original trilogy and this one and three are kind of tied in my book i feel about the same as i did last time watching it i think it's all right not my favorite but it's not bad either yeah i've seen this one i think this is the fourth time i've seen this one so this movie actually came out on my birthday. Ah! And so I went and saw it for my birthday, and then I watched it like three weeks later with Dan in the IMAX, and then I watched it once while I was uh, working one time. I just had it on in the background and then watched it this time. So I've seen it four times, and I do like it, you know, but I think it does have some problems. Main problems are mostly with the two main characters in this, Jin and um, Cassian, and the first like half of this movie. It was nice seeing this in the theater because it's just a great Star Wars experience in the theater. You've got good music, which is actually different from what John Williams did, but harkens back to it nicely in spots too because i know we criticize solo a lot for just copy and pasting mostly this one actually comes up with its own music it comes up with a pretty intriguing story i thought about how did they get those death star plans so i was down from the get-go when i heard that was what this was and yeah they did a pretty good job i think telling a story within star wars that ended up being pretty good this one you know it was just mainly focusing on telling a star wars story like it just wanted to be there for the fans it paid fan service you know to the people who grew up watching the star wars movies you know and it has a really good unique look to it fox and i were talking today about some of the shots of like it's got the planetscape going on and in the distance you see the death star just looming up there in the clouds that's cool passes over the sun Ooh, so awesome oh man when that star destroyer comes out of the pitch black of the eclipse yeah it's so good shots you know that are just so unique to star wars because i've seen people you know on reddit make these kind of images you know, with Photoshop and stuff, but to actually see it on the big screen, you know, in a Star Wars movie, that was really awesome. Such a good looking movie. I'm so glad I saw it in the IMAX. Speaking of seeing it in the theater, the first time I saw it, some of the speakers weren't working right. Oh, so like no. the sound effects weren't like coming through. They're very quiet. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. I had a pretty bad first experience watching it. And then I saw it again later with my family, I think. And yeah, it was so much better with like good sound quality because I was like, man, I'm having a terrible time watching this. That explains so much. Like watching it this time, I was like, man, I wish I could go back to the theater and just really appreciate the sound because I really ignored it last time. But <laughs> thank you, TV, for reminding me that I didn't just <laughs> ignore it. It was literally not present in some cases. Something was wrong with the theater. I don't know what it was, but it really put a damper on things for me. <laughs> I think that did help the experience this time, even though I, th I think that sound design adds a lot, especially the effects that harken back to the effects of episodes four through six i mean star wars has great sound design all their like weapons and stuff sound so cool i gotta bring it up i'm sure we're gonna talk about it later but 
the ending scenes of this movie with Darth Vader is probably one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars films cinematography. When Darth Vader is coming in to the uh, the rebel ship and the smokes around him, and he just is slaughtering a rebels using the force. That is so awesome. Yeah, that's a great scene. I just want a whole movie of that. It makes this movie for me. It might be my favorite scene in the entire Star Wars franchise. I mean, it's so good because it builds up that anticipation because you're like, what are all these people so scared of when the lights cut out? And then he turns his lightsaber on and you're like, holy crap. And it's the only time you get to see what Darth Vader can do to just regular people if he's in a battle. Yeah, the like fan service is very well done right there. Like they handled his character perfectly. I mean, the sequence isn't probably more than a minute long, but that whole minute is just so well done and it makes the movie for me. Like I get goosebumps every time I watch it. I guess since we're talking about Vader, I feel like he is a little forced into this movie though. Like I love that last scene. It's great. But like, I don't know if he really even needed to be in it, honestly. He's just kind of like, he shows up and you're like, oh, there he is. I love Vader, but he doesn't really do anything. It's a whole fan service thing is what it is. But I love that it's there. But I can definitely see your point. But I think if he isn't there, this movie would lose that, you know, extra aspect to it. That just makes it memorable in my mind. Well, I don't know. I think it's fair that he's there. I mean, this movie leads right into episode four. I mean, we know it's his ship chasing, you know. They give him a bigger part of it, I guess. I don't know. I feel like he's just underutilized until the end where it's awesome, obviously. But I like that he was a cameo because I thought the first time we see him, when Krennic goes to talk to him, I thought that was the only time we were going to see him. And then he has the surprise cameo at the end of the movie and slaughters a bunch of rebels. But I think yeah, he's in there for the fan service, but it's handled well, and it makes sense that he would be there. I mean, they are stealing the plans for the ultimate weapon in the galaxy, so it makes sense that he would show up to try and stop them. The movie's good enough to stand up on its own, even if he wasn't in there. That's true. You know, the last half of this movie is really where it, you know, comes into its own for me. I might as well just get into my main gripes with this, get them out of the way. I think the first, I guess maybe half of this movie is not really well done. It's kind of rushed, I think, and jumbled together. Jin and Cassian's characters are just not interesting to me at all. I wish they were more like Donnie Yen and... uh What's the other guy's name? Baze? Yeah, the guy with the big gun. They are fun, interesting characters, but Jin, not a great character to me. Cassian, not a great character to me. And I think it's just bumbling along. It's not quite bumbling, like that's a bad word to use, but it's it doesn't really figure out, I think, what it's going to do until this last half of this movie when all the action starts. I'd agree with that. I think they're kind of boring characters, too. I don't find them all that interesting. I think, the, yeah, the side characters, like the droid guy, yeah, and then Donnie Yen and the big gun guy, I really like them, but the other ones, it's like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. What makes them uninteresting? For me, Jin has, like, a massive character change in this movie that seems very out of the blue and very forced. Where at first she's kind of like, I'm on my own. I don't need anybody to help me. And then the next moment she's given a speech to rebels 
the rebels killed her dad, and then she's like, all right, I'll join the rebels. Yeah. Her character's not great. It's not the worst in a Star Wars movie. Cassian comes off as, you know, in the first scene, he, like, kills... Is that a rebel spy who's in the Imperials? I think so. An informant or something. He kills one of his own, basically, is what happened. The first scene in this, he's supposed to come off as this real edgy, you know, underground, undercover guy. And he's definitely not that. And he doesn't really have a character arc in this movie, I think. He's just kind of like there and he's kind of stagnant the whole movie. Well, he has like a quote-unquote arc where like he decides not to shoot her dad but we don't really see why he decides not to do that he doesn't really like Jin, from what i could tell like he's just bringing her along because they needed to get to uh saul guerrera but i never got the feeling that they had become friends they're both just very forced and you can tell that like hey we need to get to the cool action part that everybody wants let's try and make a little bit of forced character development in here yeah, but they spend a lot of time with them, too, so they're not trying to skip over them. Yeah, but it's not good time spent with them. I feel like Jin's arc is okay. I'm okay with Jin's arc. It makes sense to me. Cassian's does feel forced to me, especially because he has that bizarre, I don't want to shoot her dad moment. That that does feel very out of place to me. Yeah, like why show him as a cold-hearted killer at the beginning if he's not? You know, that at all. Yeah, and then suddenly he's like, well, this is very important, but I'm going to have a weird moral lapse. Yeah, that that's weird. But Jin's makes sense to me. I mean, well, why does she suddenly decide, okay, fine, I will join the Rebels? Because she always is. She just likes to pretend like she's a big tough loner. She's like an angsty teenager. I've got an explanation for it. So she was taken away from her dad and her mom was killed when she was real young and saw Guerrera raised her right and saw ended up being a rebel extremist that even the rebels end up not associating with when they get deeper into their fight and in Jen's mind she mentions when they run into each other again that saw abandoned her so she was already working for the rebel alliance and doing stuff with them for a good portion of her life and then she felt betrayed and that the rebel alliance betrayed her because saw left her out on the battlefield or whatnot so she's already got the the background with the rebels but she's been betrayed and so she's acting out on that and then when she meets up with saw again he kind of explains what was going on she's still pretty pissed rightfully so but it's her dad which gets her to join back up because you got to think she hasn't seen her dad for years, right? And thinks that he's dead. And then she sees this hologram where he's speaking directly to her and asking for her help. So that's what that's what ultimately gets her back in the fight. And she witnesses her dad die. And then she wants to get revenge on the Empire because of all that. So The Rebels killed him, though. Well, they wouldn't have had to if it hadn't been for the Empire forcing him to make the Death Star. Exactly. She already saw what they were, that they were going to kill him, too, because they killed all the engineers and stuff so well i got the vibe that they weren't gonna kill him because they killed all the engineers instead like well we still need you but i'm gonna punish you by killing all these people she might not have known that though just from the character perspective yeah i mean i don't think she's an idiot i think she gets that it makes sense the rebels to want to kill him cassian ended up not 
shooting him too so that's that's helping out like they're clearly apologetic about that it has to come to that but you know it's the fate of like the galaxy that's at stake here my whole point though is like you take donnie yen's character you take uh bays you take kate uh 2so they are all way more charismatic they have way more character than both of the leads of this movie Donnie Yen is awesome. I mean, Donnie Yen's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> come on. I mean, he's a cool character. He's got a cool backstory, even though you don't really get much of his backstory, except he was part of the uh, the temple there. And um, his bromance with Baze, you know, that's really interesting. And I would have liked to see something more come out of the two leads of this. I don't watch this movie for Chin and Cassian's character at all. I could honestly i'd say leave them out and send donnie yen uh Baze and the robot in there to get these plans because they are so interesting to me and i love their characters they're fun they've got spirit they're interesting star wars characters that we haven't like seen in a star wars movie yeah we haven't seen a not full-on jedi but uh somebody who's like i don't know how to describe him force sensitive yeah he's force sensitive more so than a lot of other people but he's not a full-on jedi and he's contemplating his relationship with the force and kind of doubts himself and stuff like that so i will say in defense of Jin and cassian yeah they're not the most charismatic i do find cassian more interesting since he's a cold-blooded killer essentially and is willing to kill his own people to beat the empire by any means necessary i still like them and i want to see them succeed they they do a good enough job at making me care about them that i want to see them get the plans and i want to see them get away if at all possible at the end of the movie fox and i were talking they're not the worst characters in a star wars movie oh no like just coming off the prequels here like they're pretty decent <laughs> Star Wars characters. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Even Cassian isn't bad. <laughs> and so I, I don't hate these guys. You know, I would read a comic about Cassian. The only other gripe I have with this movie is I think Saw Guerrera is lame. What? Oh. He is so lame. I love Saw Guerrera. <laughs> Why is he lame? I think he's a really cool dude. I think he could be cool, but I think the way he's portrayed in this movie is lame because he talks like this come my child he can't breathe it's like he's going for a like discount godfather well he's not discount godfather he's literally physically discount darth vader you know it's the first time we've seen somebody with like cybernetics available to the general populace yeah he's lost both his legs he's hurt his lungs or something he's seen action if we saw him like actually do something i think it would have been okay with me but he doesn't do anything that's true i would like a lot more of him he's there to move the plot forward and i just wish he did something i think he should have been in this movie a lot more he i do like his character i think he's cool but he's very underutilized bring him on the mission he just accepts death on this planet that gets nuked by the death star yeah i, I think it's because he can't run with his two like robot legs <laughs> he's like well I, i'm not gonna make it but 
They don't really like tell you that, I guess. I think he should have been part of that ambush in the city in Jeddah. I would have liked to see him like interact with the other uh, rebels. Like maybe they have to form an alliance or something temporarily, and then you can kind of see how he's gone kind of off the deep end a little bit, and all the other rebels. There's like a little bit of conflict there. That would have been nice because I love that idea that there's like the rebels, and then there's like the super rebels who are like scary terrorists. You <laughs> 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 go around and bomb city blocks. I completely agree. I think it would have been interesting to see his radical take to um, rebelling against the empire compared to the actual rebellion you know because they outcast him but you don't know why that thing where he just tentacle monsters the poor pilot because he might be lying is pretty extreme for the rebels who are all about being the good guys pretty much like torture i think yeah like just torturing a guy because he might not be telling the truth doesn't really sound like the rebels and you can kind of see that he's like off his rocker a little bit by the way he is interacting with Jin. i think where he's like hmm you well yeah he's like were you sent here to kill me they sent you. He's will. He's like very suspicious about everything, which I, I agree, though. I think he was underutilized a lot. Uh, what I really like about this is the uh, kind of like, I guess, the, the soft like explanation for some of the weird stuff in episode four, like conveniently placed vacuum shoots or whatever that will explode the entire base. I wouldn't say it's conveniently placed. Well, <laughs> for the plot, I would argue that it's very convenient that there's even a one weakness. What? It's an exhaust vent. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I think that they do a good job of addressing kind of like the, well, that, that's like, you know, they had to have some way. You feel like somebody would have noticed that. Maybe when they're getting attacked, they could shut the vent. Is that a complaint people have that, like, the exhaust vent is too easy? I know that it's too plot convenient. Yeah, which it is. You can't... This giant thing, they didn't, like, oh, maybe we should make sure that you can't destroy the Death Star with one shot. Not an easy shot, mind you, but one shot. Well, it's a huge star facility that generates its own power. It's going to generate exhaust. Obviously, that has to go somewhere. Yeah, but it goes straight to the reactor core, which is what... Why people say it's convenient. Maybe you could like loop around a little bit. So if you do shoot it, it like hits like a wall instead of going straight in and exploding. This is like a common problem in other sci-fi that has like nuclear reactors is that they're too vulnerable to like pinpoint attacks. Because you have to vent that somewhere and you don't have a giant underground facility like a power plant. Yeah, but it's not going to go straight to the reactor where if something goes in the exhaust port that's going to blow up the whole thing. It is a complaint. And I think I, all I'm saying is they addressed it and they made it make sense. We need an engineer. <laughs> if you know nuclear engineering, please call us. I'm trying to give the movie a compliment here. <laughs> I, I get what you're doing, Terry, and I agree with you completely. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think it's really nice that, yeah, it's, like, it's a cool way to address some of the minute issues of maybe like episode four where it's like, yeah, but now it makes sense. Okay, cool. It's a little bit of like maybe soft retconning a little bit. I kind of like that about this. This movie existing strengthens episode four because you get to see all the suffering and stuff that they went through just to get those plans. So it adds that much more weight to Luke and Han and Leia getting the plans to the Rebel Alliance, right? And it strengthens up the movie by fixing that minute problem that people have with episode four. One one thing I wanted to 
go over is what did you guys think of Ben Mendelsohn as director Krennic? Ooh, I like that guy. I like Krennic. I liked him. I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I loved him in this movie. I think he was the best actor in the whole film. He did a great job. <laughs> I really like how he has a uh, different dynamic than all the other villains in Star Wars. Like all the other villains in Star Wars are like, I'm so powerful, I'm going to beat your butt. And I'm going to take everything you have, you know? That's just how they come across. He comes across as somebody who's just fed up with everything, and he just wants to do his <laughs> his Death Star. He just wants some appreciation, yeah. He's like, come on, guys. I built this thing. I, like, organized all of this. Just respect me. Yeah, he's like a worm. He's like, I don't know, like Grima and Lord of the Rings, you know? He's just like, <laughs> give me power. I so desperately want power. Please don't hurt me. Give me some power. But he's actually <laughs> built the Death Star pretty much, so. I mean, like, that scene where Vader has the dad line is so cheesy, but it's so good at the same time. Like, he sounds so pathetic when he's like, I'm still in command, right? <laughs> I think it's like a good example of like the other, you know, because of the like references we have to other Imperial like officers or people like Tarkin who are like top of the brass. But here we have a guy who's like, you know, a lower ranking officer. We can see kind of how their hierarchy is like just trying to scramble up the essentially corporate ladder. Yeah. And you can feel bad for him too, because <laughs> he's done this amazing thing and everybody's stepping on him and taking away this achievement from him. So I really liked Krennic in this. I I could have gone for more of him than what we got actually, I think. And I liked his dynamic with um Galen. Uh, I wish Galen was in it more so we could get more of that dynamic between the two because they seemed like they were pretty good friends for a long time when Galen was still loyal to the Empire and all that. I could go for like a drama in Star Wars, like, you know, like a like a moral, legal drama, you know, not a lot of action. I'm trying to think of like an example from like a real life, like um, like the one with Alan Turing building the computer, you know, whatever that was called. Oh, Imitation Game? Imitation game. Yeah, good call, TV. Yeah, like that, but Star Wars. <laughs> or we could pitch to HGTV, uh, Galen and Krennic building the Death Star. Tune in every week. <laughs> what wacky hijinks will they get up to this week? It could be like The Office, but... <laughs> Krennic suspects that Galen's built a weakness in the system. <laughs> but Galen's actually just been slacking off. I feel like we get a lot of those side shots where they're interviewing the one guy, and Krennic would be like, he just, he just doesn't respect me. I don't get the respect I deserve whenever we're in there. Why does anybody let me be in command? I, I, I'm in command here, aren't I? <laughs> I love this. He'd go up to Darth Vader, and he'll be like, I'm the assistant director and he's like your assistant to the director <laughs> <laughs> this is good I would watch this so I, I talked some smack about the CGI and uh, Phantom Menace and I'm gonna talk a little more smack about this one with the like real life dead actor they brought back he looks weird Tarkin? yeah he looks weird no he doesn't he looks just like him. When I was in the theater, 
I didn't know it was CGI when I saw it. I was like, holy crap, how did they find somebody who looks exactly like Tarkin? It wasn't until after I'd seen it and was reading articles and stuff that I was like, that was CGI? Dang. Really? Yeah, I couldn't tell. You know, I think it's really impressive. Once again, like it's impressive like on a technical standpoint but it just feels weird like it feels i don't know it just still doesn't feel real enough and it feels awkward him talking to the other guy and like it just doesn't feel natural to me is that because you know peter cushing's dead or no just because it looks weird i think it just it, it feel what's the word for it when it feels like it's not quite real life but it's not quite uncanny valley yeah it's a little still too much of the uncanny valley going on for me i think like, don't get me wrong, it looks better than, like, Jar Jar did, but it's still, like, I think is an issue that I was like, eh. Like, I just think they could have been so much better if it, they just cast somebody else and said it was this guy. Like, that would have been fine. Honestly, I think it would be perfect if the complexion wasn't so perfect. Like, I think both him and then later Carrie Fisher, their complexion is just too spotless for a real human being. Yeah, Carrie Fisher, she looked a little better, I thought, but I still was like, yeah, I don't know. That seems she wasn't on screen a lot either. She was on there for a few seconds, whereas Tarkin actually has a character in this film. <laughs> yeah, which I like the character. I just think like maybe just cast somebody else. That's what I feel like. Just get a real life person to do it. We don't need to put all the effort into it. Who, who's gonna replace Peter Cushing though as Tarkin? I mean, that's like impossible. <laughs> that one guy, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen's old. Make him do it. No, he's no Peter Cushing. I'm kind of with you, Terry. I think that they shouldn't have been in this movie at all. I think if they were going to do it, like, just show him from the back. Like, if they needed to do him in this, don't bring in the CGI version of him. Because I don't think that's going to hold up, you know, 10 years from now when I watch it i'm be like why did they do this like just show them from the back and then have the voices going on you know same with leia at the end why did she even need to turn around we knew who that was right away when she was just standing there like yeah there's no need to do that yeah like it's impressive sure but why just because you can doesn't mean you should i don't know i think somebody had to do it and why not do it here you know well they've done it before um they did it for the dude in the hunger games they did it for um the guy um in the fast and furious who who died in the car accident i forget him paul walker yeah paul walker that was a little different wasn't it that wasn't like this it wasn't a character but they digitally enhanced his face on his brother yeah i'm with you fox i think it was impressive star wars has always been doing these cgi characters at least since the prequels came around um so they they're known for it it makes sense to me i can't think of anybody else replacing peter cushing and I mean, Tarkin's like iconic with the Death Star. Yeah, they could have left him out, I guess. But I like that he was in here. It never, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I always am looking for it now because people criticize it. But it's to me, he just looks real. I feel like we've talked about these other aspects a lot. I want to hit on the action. I don't think we need to hit on it too much. But the action is really good it's the main reason that i think i like this movie so much yeah the uh i think somebody said in episode three that that's like the best space battle we've seen in star wars i 
think that now that I've seen Rogue One, this is the best space battle I've seen in Star Wars. It's awesome. Episode three space battle is okay, but it's nothing like episode six and Rogue One. It's just awesome because you actually get to see all the different ships doing things. Whereas in episode three, the capital ships, yeah, they shoot each other, but it, it doesn't have the same weight or impact as they do in six and Rogue One, right? I mean, Rogue One, you've got the capital ships, like, they're shooting each other. You've got them fly, actually flying around and, like, ramming into things and stuff blowing up everywhere. You've got, like, all of the letters of the alphabet for the rebel ships flying around. And then you've got all the cool TIE fighters and stuff. It's just, it's got everything. It's like no punches were spared because this is the only thing we've got if we have a chance against the Empire. So they hit them with literally everything. Well, it's just, you know, like pure fun Star Wars action. That's what the last half of this movie is. And that's what I like. You get to see the cool Star Wars ships and uh, laser fights going on you know that's what i love about this movie is they nailed that part that is just spot on perfect star wars and you can tell that people who love star wars made that and they're like they made that for us you know as star wars fans they were like here you go we love star wars we know you do have an awesome Star Wars like war scene that you've never got before. I mean, they even used leftover footage of the pilots from Episode Four in this movie. Oh man, I was like, I was, I was wondering when we watched it. I was like, this is like almost too perfect, right? Because this is like exactly like it is in Four, and that's great because I mean, Star Wars fighter battles are like the best <laughs> ship battles in any sci-fi movie and the ground stuff's really cool too I, yeah that's really good action this is like the kind of stuff i like in star wars the action's always pretty cool the ground action is fun that's what i really like is the ground combat in this one it's so cool because i mean the original trilogy we have all space battles for the most part and then the prequel trilogy focuses on the ground combat. And so Rogue One comes along and is like, look at us. We can do both of these as good, if not better, than <laughs> the original trilogy and the prequels. And in a location that is really cool and we've seen nothing like it in Star Wars before. Yeah, well, you know, we get a little bit of like ground battle in five and six with Hoth and Endor, but it's it's pretty limited given like the effects and technology at the time. And then the episode, you know, the prequels, it's it's clones who, you know, I mean, they're they're still human beings, but they're kind of mindless. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of pre-programmed wow. and conditioned hmm. against literal mindless drones. And then now we have, you know, full on, you know, people like these are all people, stormtroopers, human beings, rebels, human beings. It's gritty. It's rough. It's kind of sad. It's it's like a, it's, it's like an actual war movie that kind of evokes some emotion. Yeah. And it does feel like desperate, like Dan was saying earlier. Does, you can kind of feel the desperation from like just watching, especially the ground stuff like, oh, man. It's like Yeah. The stakes are so much higher for everyone. I got pretty sad when all the crews started sacrificing themselves to make sure the plan would succeed. Donnie N has an awesome scene where he just overcomes like his fear of not being full on with the force and just does that awesome walk out there to 
hit the thing. And then you've got Bodhi overcoming his fear to uh, patch in and get the message trans mitted out and then Baze goes out um honoring his friend Chirrut and then K2SO finally gets his gun and dies so that they can actually get the plans. Man, K2 scene is rough. He gets all kinds of shot up. That is the saddest one, I think. Him and Chirrut are always are rough when I watched this. <laughs> was that Donnie Yen's thing? Is that he was scared? That he wasn't one with the Force? I never really got that. He was that scared of it. Well, he d- he doubted himself. Because he's not like a full-on Jedi. He's just like a monk in the temple type thing. Yeah, but I don't ever get the vibe he's doubting himself. He's always going out there like first. He's always like, all right, I'm going out. Like, I'm blind. I'll just walk outside and I'll fight these stormtroopers. Like, he doesn't really seem like he has any doubts. Well, why does he keep chanting his chant then? That's like his mantra. He's just like... Yeah, that's just, he's a religious guy. He just prays. He he loves the Force. I don't know. I think he has the classic religious struggle, you know, like, this is a dark time and I feel abandoned by this thing I've been following. Like, is it real or am I just lucky? Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, I'd say let's move on into overall presentation then. Yeah, so we've got some scales that we follow around here. Um, It goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it. And then we kind of give a brief summary of what we think about the movie, give a rating, and then there's an attempt to average it out. Yeah, I think I've hit on most of my stuff in this review. The beginning of it is kind of iffy for me. Um, Jin and Cassian's characters are kind of uninteresting to me on the whole. But, you know, they're good Star Wars characters when you look at Star Wars as an entirety, you know, throughout the franchise. But the reason that I like this movie is for the action and the Darth Vader scene. And those things alone uh, give it a buy it for me. This is definitely the best out of the Disney-created Star Wars because it just, you know, focuses on being a good Star Wars movie and nothing else. And that's awesome for me to see, and I want them to do more of that. Yeah, you know, Mad Micah, as usual, says a number of things I agree with. I I do think there's some valid complaints about this movie being a little slow in the first half, but I think I really appreciate it, especially the second time around, if only just from like a world building perspective. It's so cool to see so much of the world, you know, fleshed out with modern technology, not just 100% CGI looking at you prequels. I think this adds a lot to the whole franchise, you know, as Dan pointed out, it adds to episode four and strengthens it even further. And it's great on its own, even, you know, as a war film, which is incredible for Star Wars. Love that. So I got to give it a buy it. I already bought it because it's awesome. And I think if you like Star Wars, you're going to love this. And even if you're not like a huge Star Wars nerd, you know, if you like war movies or action movies, this one's pretty solid in its own right. Yeah. When I first watched it, I was not super into it. I thought it was okay. And then I watched it again. I was not super into it. I was just kind of okay with it. But the more we've talked about it, I do like it. I think it's kind of funny that Darth Vader scene, like every time I see it, like it kind of like bumps up my rating. I'm like, ooh, okay, this movie's awesome. (laughs) It's really only a minute. And I do have some complaints about it. You know, maybe he doesn't need to be in it. There's the characters. All the side characters are more interesting than the main people, I think. And I do think it is really kind of slow for a lot of it, but the final action scenes are really cool, and um, there's enough there that I think I'm going to give it a watch it. I I enjoy it. It's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's entertaining, so. 
I get everybody's criticism with the main two characters, and I do agree with it. They're not as interesting as most of the side characters, but I still think they've got sufficient character development to make them interesting and make me care about them. So I've never had a big problem with the characterization in this film, and I find everybody interesting. The music is good. I'm always going to talk about it with Star Wars because Star Wars has great music. They do a good job of varying it up, but hearkening back when appropriate to the <laughs> the themes that John Williams made so famous with the original three movies. The action is great. I think this one's tied with Episode 6 for the best space battle in all of Star Wars history. The ground battle's really good, too. It's one of the best in Star Wars history as well. And just the the composition, shot composition is great. They use the Death Star for just wonderful shots throughout the scene. Like, I'm never going to forget when they first reveal their Star Destroyer coming out of the blackness of space and then they reveal that the stars behind it were the lights from the death star or when on scarif it shows up and fires on the base and you see it reflected in krennic's eye getting killed by his own creation there's so much creativity in this film that honors and harkens back to all the best parts of Star Wars, while still doing new things and introducing new characters that are great additions to the Star Wars universe. So you probably already guessed it, but this one's a definite buy for me. Besides the original trilogy, this one's my favorite. Yeah, buy it for sure from Dan. (laughs) All right. I guess that rounds it out to a run the reel certified as a buy it. Who would have thought it? I'm glad everybody likes this one a lot because it's i really like it <laughs> how could you not uh, yeah i don't know it's it's pretty good i like i said i i don't love it but i've never been like a big war movie guy anyways and it does have a lot of those war movie like team tropes you know like look at all these characters together so i thought it got a lot of undeserved hate when it came out too which you know i'll take some credit on that and i was pretty ready to hate whatever they release next <laughs> so i guess what next week we are doing episode four we've actually we've made it to the original trilogy the classics i'm so excited we're finally here finally <laughs> it's been a quite a a run so we're still going the worst is yet to come (laughs) we'll see about that i am sad we have to build up only to be freaking let down we don't know we'll see hey maybe maybe nine will be good (laughs) it'll bring it back up like revenge of the sith just trying to stay positive. Well, if any of you listeners out there have any like requests or thoughts, um, you can send them our way by emailing us at runtherealpodcast.gmail.com or you can hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter at runtherealpodcast. We want to hear what you think about Rogue One. We want to hear some movie recommendations. Give us some, uh, some thoughts, some feelings. Is Rogue One the only good Disney movie for Star Wars? Don't ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Spoken like a true Star Wars fan right yep, there. Yep, there he goes again. <laughs> no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. It's true. Well, thanks for listening to us tonight, everybody. We really appreciate it. This is Run the Real, signing off. Mm-hmm.